I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. Hi everyone and welcome back to that UFO podcast. This is your highlights pod from the month of May 2022. It was a huge month for the podcast. I've said that a few times but it really was. We left April with Luis Elizondo and we went into May with Gary Nolan, Jeremy Corbell, Randall Nickerson, Daz Smith, and we finished uh, with Brandon Fugel towards the end of the month as well, owner of Skinwalker Ranch. Thank you so much. You're going to hear highlights, the best bits of some of the best bits from those interviews. So if you haven't listened to them or you just want to hear some of those again, this is certainly the pod for you. Once again, just to remind everyone that you can support the podcast and get early access, ad-free content and also bonus content as well. Signing up through patreon.com. You can sign up through Apple Premium, get a two-week free trial on the podcast there. If you're on Spotify, this is something I made a boo-boo with and I've said before, search That UFO Podcast Premium on Spotify and you'll see you can sign up for about £1.99, £2 or £3, dollars, euros, whatever your currency is and again get all that early access as well. And of course if you like the video side of things you can get that from the $5 plus tier on Patreon or signing up directly through YouTube as well. Lots of great content to come in June. Make sure you listen to the very quick 10 minute preview pod that's just been released with some upcoming guest announcements as well. But without further ado, I'll hand you over to the wonderful guests from May 2022. And when you remote view any of these physical life forms, is there ever a connection the other way that they're aware that you are there remote viewing them? Uh, I only found that once, and that was in looking at the occupants in the craft that was the Phoenix Lights craft. Um, that was the only time where I felt that they, yeah, even though I was looking at something like 10, 15 years after the event, it felt like, uh, there was a connection there and they knew, yeah, in, it's very strange to see, you know, I'm remote viewing a target 15 years before, but it felt like the connection was direct at, from them being there at the time of looking at the target. So, yeah, it's a very huge conundrum for for from time you know and a lot of remote viewers don't believe that time exists because of what we can do with remote viewing um but yeah that was the that was the only time i feel a connection for me as a i mean we all have different belief systems within remote viewing but for me as a as a remote viewer i don't i'm not sure i actually believe or have seen any evidence in the in the hundreds of thousands of projects i've seen uh over 25 years i haven't seen any evidence that we actually in any way travel to the targets. I think that all the information about everything in the known universe, past, present, future is accessible within all of us. So I think it's just information that's within me that I'm accessing at some level. Now the Phoenix Lights event is a particular favorite of mine. So I'd be remiss not to ask you for some more detail there. What was the background to, to remote viewing that particular target? And could you elaborate any more on the actual experience of the session? Yeah, that was that was my, one of my favourites because I actually did some really good sketches of a triangle-shaped craft above a city on that one. Uh, again, it was a blind target given to me. I, I think, yeah, it was given to me by the Farsight Institute. Um, oh, it must be 10, 10 years ago now. And it, again, it was blind. Myself, Dick Augire, and I think another remote viewer worked that one. And we worked it on paper and then live on video. 
And it, yeah, we just had some amazing detail of a really advanced technology that was flying strangely over an urban location. And I did describe and draw the, you know, this triangle uh, shaped craft in great detail. Uh, and then, you know, having some kind of conversation or interaction, I should say, that's a better word, interaction with the life forms that were involved in, in, in that event. And, and what was that back and forward like, that connection? Was it uh, verbal? Was it more honest, of a feeling? I just, yeah, I do so many of these, to be honest. I can't remember all of it. I'd have to watch the video again. But I do vaguely remember that it was the only and first time that it wasn't just me getting information that seemed to be you know, me connected to an information pathway. It was more like there was a two-way connection. They knew I was getting information. Um, they didn't seem to mind, um, but they didn't seem to... Not, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not that they weren't friendly. They were just vaguely neutral in it all. You know, it was almost like I was an inconvenience. Yeah, I was an inconvenience to what they were doing. Um, and maybe they were a bit intrigued as well that we were kind of looking at them in, in some way. Sure. It sounds like when a child walks into the kitchen <laughs> and you're cooking and you're like, yeah, yeah I, I mean, you're not doing any harm, Absolutely. but I'd rather you weren't here. Yeah. Uh, a bit like that. But I, if I remember correctly, we probably had that online in somewhere as well. So, so people can actually see the live on-camera remote viewing for all these projects, you know, Area 51, Roswell. Um, yeah, I think the Phoenix Lights is online in that, in that regard as well. That's when I'll go back. There's an innocence to those children and their, their stories. And when John Mack got involved, and this is something that's that comes out in the documentary, no spoilers, but he really moves on the story and gets the emotion and the feeling from the children, which is fascinating right. to, to see come across on the camera as well. And something that, that doesn't happen to those children but has happened to others and has been well documented is the, the potential of a, a hitchhiker effect. We've heard this from places such as Skinwalker Ranch, that there's a potential for a, a strangeness to follow individuals from mm -hmm. the, the place that occurs and moves on. Uh, and I wonder, do you consider this to almost be a, a virus type of effect from the work you have seen or, or anything that's been done on it? Well, see, hitchhiker implies something has attached to you. Um, but maybe a different way of talking about it is that you're now open to observing things that you couldn't see before, but that there's a dialectic, right? There's a discussion that you seeing leads to a feedback that it knows it's been seen. And so you see it more, right? I used a term lighthouses in the dark uh, a long time ago in the book uh, phenomenon that some people seem to be lighthouses in the dark, almost as if the ability to see is uh, observable from elsewhere. And so it gets attracted to you. But once you've opened, you've lit the lighthouse. And so hitchhiker implies a negative kind of thing, something sitting on your shoulder, as opposed to you're open to seeing it. And so therefore it's willing, you know, it wants to talk. So it, it hangs around, you know, but many of the, I mean, you have both positive and negative stories of hitchhikers. I have a, a good friend in the military and it was, I, I would say, largely a negative uh, hitchhiker effect to him and his family. Um, I, I know of a couple of positive 
hitchhiker effects as well. Is there potential those those positives and negatives are how those individuals construe what's happening and mm-hmm. potentially whatever is causing these effects isn't necessarily looking at those those consequences of their actions as being positive or negative and just a way right. to communicate. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you've listened to any of Colm Kelleher's uh, interviews, um, he has, a, I always accuse him of being a, it's a particularly dark Irish view of, of things. Um, but I, I can't disagree with him that it, it, it gives you back what you put into it. It's a feedback system. Um, you know, there's this notion of uh, synchronicities and intent and synchronicities happen almost when you want them to almost as if now you're talking to the phenomenon and it's giving you back what you want, right? You basically create the world in front of you by intending it. Um, You know, I've not seen any proof of that, but it's a fascinating concept. I mean, I have plenty of synchronicities that are bizarre that happen in in my life, but um, whether that's some outside agency purposefully listening to my desires and creating that for me, or whether there's something more fundamental to the structure of the universe that allows for these kinds of things to occur is an open question. Those synchronicities can certainly range for different people and they can be very strange when they happen, but I do wonder, is it because I'm thinking about a certain ABBA song and it comes on the radio seconds after that there's some mm-hmm. non-human intelligence has allowed that to happen or is it just you know pure coincidence? But something that people have got in touch with me recently about is, is different synchronicities and it's, it's always fascinating to hear about. Moving on and skipping a whole lot of stuff, Gary, just due to time constraints, um, you've recently published a peer-reviewed paper on studying material touching on one of those reasons that videos can't be released i know in speaking to someone who who knows what they're talking about uh, a recent example would be if the a u.s aircraft filmed a uap that's great let's see the footage however if it's filmed over russian airspace where that aircraft was not supposed to be that's a reason that isn't even related to the maybe the big 50 foot shiny How uap did you hear about that well, yeah. You, so you I, are you are one hundred percent correct. How did so, you hear about that? I was just told that location can be a big issue, and not necessarily yeah. what's on the footage. Well, to expand on that a little bit, look, I I, I don't work for the government. I, I don't take my cues from the government. I, I don't have clearances. I don't have NDAs. Right. Uh, however. Sometimes as journalists, you are able to, again, obtain information, maybe things that maybe you shouldn't see. I don't know. You know, that that's a, a gray area because there's certain specifics where you can look at something or, or you can. I know them. So there were numerous UFOs that were filmed in locations that are sensitive. And it's not even about the UFO, but it's a, it's about the location. So Imagine there's a classified briefing where UFOs are filmed over Russian warships. But again, like you said, we're not supposed to be there. And our capability to film that is not supposed to be known. That's a really difficult piece of footage to get out to the public. 
one piece of footage that everyone talks about and wants to know of or wants released is the 23 minute video um you've no doubt heard about this i would ask first off have you seen it so i'm gonna pass on that because that's not something that i consider that i have direct knowledge on okay on the video itself what sort of videos could the u.s government be holding that can make it so explosive we've heard about you know 23 minutes of sci-fi and what sort of things do you think they may have filmed just in speaking to sources and such that they're holding back sure so first of all they're not holding it back they're never intending to release it it's not just holding it back like you know there this is a lot of this footage is classified because of the weapon systems themselves right so when you're talking about you know forward looking infrared you know, FLIR pods, a lot of this information is about our capability. So I, I, there's no holding back. None of this, none of this is coming out unless the public engages, asks questions, works with representative government, pushes forward. And for me, the biggest thing I think will come is when people uh, provide me footage that, that probably they shouldn't. But again, as a journalist, I am protected by shield law. And I still need to walk a fine line, but there is, and this is not just from sources, there is high fidelity imagery of UFOs that can and probably will be put out to the public in some way in the future. Uh, However, I don't think any one piece of footage is going to be like the nail in the coffin in public opinion about UFOs. It, it just doesn't work that way. Not one photo, not one video is going to convince everybody of the totality of what it is human beings have been experiencing. So this idea that proof for the world is going to come in the form of a video or a photo, it's, it, it, just, it just does not work that way. I, I don't see it working that way. But to your point, there is high fidelity imagery from our, we have incredible reconnaissance systems, not even just the ones that are on board ships, but we have space-based reconnaissance systems. Like the geospatial uh, intelligence agency, that is an incredible agency that does pick up things all the time and they have incredible optics. So I think the most important thing we can get is corroborative video evidence that ties directly in to direct witness testimony. Now, I'll remind you, one of the things that George Knapp and I did was provide the world something they had not had before, that they had always been belly aching for, that I, as a fan of the UFO topic, I was excited to see this, which is like, you have a huge UFO event in 2019, right? Over 100 UAP were swarming our Navy warships. Not all of them were the same in look and style, but it was a coordinated effort, a sort of a display, some would say, of power. But what you have there from what we released is not only forward-looking infrared FLIR footage, right? You also have IR, so that's like the green video of the triangle from angle of observation, actually pyramid. And we also have deck footage and radar. So this is now 
corroborative video evidence from a known event that got the attention of our Senate, got the attention of our Congress, got the attention of the head of the Navy and the head of Homeland Security and Department of Defense, Pentagon, everybody was buzzing about this, right? All of this footage is corroborative video evidence. As an example, the last piece of footage that I put out was from the deck of the USS Omaha. And it was just like video footage in inky darkness, but of lights. So the reason why this footage is powerful is because when you see it with all the others, you can't just say these are anomalies or glitches that are in the camera systems or in the radar systems. You now have illuminated objects. So when you try to pick things apart to the point of absurdity, you're going to miss the point. The point is to look at a, again, corroborative video evidence that will link with eyewitness testimony. But again, a lot of those people are still on active deployment. So that's something that, you know, maybe it'll take some time, but we build the case over time. That is the most powerful evidence is when everything comes together and you've got a lot of data. The the UFO community cries out. Can you foresee a time where the ranch itself is brought up as a place of interest in hearings or settings like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's it's no secret that Skinwalker Ranch has been a living laboratory and was part of a, a Pentagon-funded black budget program for years. And and for whatever reason, is is a hot spot for monitoring this type of uh, activity. Is there an open invitation to any of those congressmen or women with an interest in the UFO, UAP, or phenomenon as a subject to come to the ranch and visit? Well, we we don't schedule tours. I mean, this isn't something that we uh, that that we're anxious to open up for uh, for the public. I mean, it, if I if I even granted one percent of the requests that I receive on a on a weekly basis from people and a lot of very qualified people that want to visit the property, meet with the team, uh, I I'd be overwhelmed twenty four seven and. You know, we are conducting a very sensitive scientific investigation right now, and there is liability associated with it. So I, it, I'll answer your question with with the statement that we'd be happy to brief any uh, anyone in authority relative to the reality of our ongoing investigation and the data, the hard data underpinning our findings and and our research and uh, and activity. And uh, look forward to being very transparent with the public and anyone who is interested. Was there ever a, a mention or talk of the uranium mines that are about 30 to 50 miles from the school being a reason potentially for this case and its its vicinity to where it was? Um, that's, yeah, there's somebody else that can speak about that, but uh, I don't know where you heard that. That's... Uh... Somebody was that a viewer that said something? Do you know what? A few people have mentioned this, and a couple of listeners got in touch with that as well. But I know other people have have brought that up as as well, something in that area. Yeah, I, think I, can't, I can't. Say getting... I'd rather have the person that is much more uh, credible in a in a in an official way speak about that. 
I think people are getting more switched on to even some of these older incidents that maybe things that weren't considered at the time. They're now looking back to see, are, are there nuclear tests nearby? Is there, you know, again, uranium mines, things like that. And you start to piece together that actually a lot of these these locations maybe have things in common that 20, 30 years ago we, we didn't realise. But, but that'll be interesting to see if, if further uh, information comes out on that. Yeah, we, you know, we, we, we're, we're able to see now our entire planet from all these high-res satellites. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a different world, so we can see a bigger picture and start to put those things together where we just didn't have the tech to do it. Now we do. Um, Ryan wanted to know that he's heard there was a second craft potentially. Is that true, or was it just the one craft that was seen? No, I, well, it was one main event, but in the sky beforehand, uh, and it, it's a question mark, but there was one main one, and I've heard numerous times that there were more than one from from the witnesses. So, uh, yeah, please go on. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but the main event was one particular craft, object, whatever you want to call it, oval, an oval rock, <laughs> as some of the 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 the. Um, the people said in the village, or it was like two baskets put together, one upside down. Mm. One, I mean, they didn't even have the language for, for um, they didn't know anything about UFOs, flying saucers or any of that. Let, all. let me... Anyway. That, that's that's one of the beauties of, of this this story is but we hear the story very much told from a perspective as and when it happened and some of those children have grown up but we've only heard from a couple of them you've spoken to many more off the record is there any danger in your opinion given you've spoken to these people who don't want to come forward that if other witnesses to the event do given the length of time that's passed does the story change at all? Do details get added that maybe did or didn't happen, but because of the length of time, we talked about how memories change over time. And could that dilute the story? Or, or do you think there's the possibility to enhance the story? Oh, I think it'll enhance it. I, I don't, I mean, at least everybody I've talked to, they've never added or subtracted anything to their story because they remember like it happened yesterday. You know, when something like this happens to you, you don't ever forget it, you know? It's clear. So I, I don't, I'm not worried about that. Not at all. If anything, more witnesses that come forward, the more it's going to be um, validated. That That's a positive because what I'm even thinking is we hear about the, the famous, infamous, famous, whatever you want to call it now, Tic Tac event, that as more military witnesses have come forward and the stories are changed slightly, people start to even call each other out as witnesses and say, no, that never happened. And that data wasn't taken away. Actually, that data was taken away. We saw who took it away and it starts to muddy the water slightly. But again, as time changes and slight details change and with social media being how it is, everyone's an expert, you know, uh, yeah. and a detective. Well, it's like a bunch of squirrels like we are, you know, running around talking about blah, blah, blah. blah. Meanwhile, we got a bigger problem going on. <laughs> you know, we we get into our own little circles of social and uh, animals do the same thing. And uh, we got a much bigger problem. And that's what we need to pay attention to. And that's what universities need to be like, really, in my opinion, we need to address it to to understand what we're dealing with and what their intentions are and start to get some hard facts on paper so we can actually look at it and 
make good decisions. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you're awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should see because it doesn't really scare me.